Well, good morning, church family. Good morning. My name is Kevin Cottrell. I am the missions pastor here at First Baptist Broken Arrow. Thank you for that. Our pastor, Nick Garland, is, is off on vacation for some well-deserved rest, and he asked me to preach to you today, so I'm honored to do that. I'm honored to fill this pulpit today. So if you would, open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Mark, chapter number 2. Mark, chapter number 2. This morning, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 of Mark, chapter number 2. And friends, as you're turning there this morning, what we're going to see is a life-changing encounter that a man had with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you study the life and the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, all throughout the Gospels, we see people that had life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. All throughout the Gospels, we see people that come face-to-face with Jesus Christ and actually looked Him in the eyes. And after spending just a little bit of time with Him, their lives were changed forever. After spending just a little bit of time with the Lord Jesus Christ... Their lives were never, ever the same. And that's what we're going to see here this morning in the book of Mark, chapter number 2. Look with me as I read beginning in verse number 1. It says, A few days later when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that He had come home. So many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And Jesus preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to Him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And Jesus said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out, in full view of all of them. And this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Amen. May God bless the reading of His Word this morning. Well, church family, don't you just love that story in Scripture? Don't you just love that account in Scripture? You know, to study the life and earthly ministry of Jesus, you quickly realize Jesus was a very popular guy. Everywhere Jesus would go, the people would just swarm to Him. They were fascinated by His words. They were fascinated by his teachings. They were absolutely amazed at the miracles that he would perform. And these people were talking about this Jesus and everything that he was doing. Now think about this. You know, they didn't have uh, texting or email. They didn't have Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. They didn't have cell phones or telephones. They didn't have any of that. But the grapevine, the rumor mill, was alive and well. And that's what was happening here in Mark chapter number 2. Look with me again in verse number 1. It says, A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that He had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And He preached the word to them. And some men came, bringing to Him a paralytic carried by four of them. And since they could not get Him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. The Bible says Jesus had come to town. 
And it did not take long for word to get out, and everyone came running. The crowds gathered, but this time was going to be a little different. This time they were going to gather in a house, and if you can imagine, it was standing room only. Imagine people sitting on the floor, shoulder to shoulder, inside this house. Imagine people were standing shoulder to shoulder along the walls of this house. If you can imagine this, people were sitting in the windows of this house. They're standing in the doorways. People are standing outside just trying to get a listen at what this Jesus might say. I mean, this place is absolutely packed. However, however, the Bible tells us that not everybody from the town was there. Not everybody from the town was able to make it to the meeting. You see, the Bible says there was a man there that had a problem that he could not fix on his own. A man was there that he had a problem, a situation that prevented him from getting to see Jesus. You see, the Bible says this man was paralyzed. He was disabled. He could not walk. On his own, he could not run ahead of the crowd and get the best seat in the house. He didn't have a motorized wheelchair. He couldn't call a taxi. He couldn't call Uber to come and get him. On his own, he was totally helpless. However, one of the many things I love about this account in Scripture, this man did have something very special in his life. This man had a group of friends that really cared about him. And a group of friends that were about to do the greatest thing they could ever do for him. They were about to bring him to Jesus. And friends, I want you to hear me this morning. The greatest way you could ever demonstrate that you love someone, the greatest way you can ever show someone that you care for them is by sharing the truth of Jesus Christ with them. The greatest way you can ever love them is to bring them to Jesus. The greatest way you can ever love them is to tell them they too can be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. These men were about to do the greatest thing they could ever do for their friends. So the Bible says they pick him up on a mat and four of them carry him through the town to the house. But when they get there, the house is so crowded that they could not get in. And these people were so selfish that no one would move out of the way and let them carry the man in. They didn't care he was paralyzed. They didn't care he was being carried on a mat. Nobody would give up their seats and let this man get to Jesus. Wow. Think about how discouraging that must have been for those friends. After carrying him to this house, after picking him up on a mat and being all excited about their friend getting to see Jesus, no one would move. No one would let them in. But notice what they did here. These guys didn't look at their friends and say, listen, we're sorry, we tried. I mean, maybe next time when Jesus comes to town, we'll get there early. Maybe next time when Jesus gets to town, we'll, we'll bring you early and we'll set you right on the front row. Is that what they did? No. They didn't say, listen, friend, I'm sorry, but we can't get in. I'll tell you what we'll do. We've got this. We'll let you lay right here on your mat outside the door. And just maybe, just maybe when Jesus leaves, he'll recognize you. He'll notice you and you can talk to him. Is that what they did? Absolutely not. These friends were absolutely determined that their friend was going to get to Jesus. So they did something amazing. They did something that most people wouldn't even have thought of. The Bible says they they climb up on the roof, they bring their friend on the roof, and they begin to dig through the roof, and they're going to lower their friend down right in front of Jesus. Now remember in those days, they had the, the flat roofs. They had beams 
that would run from wall to wall. And then the first layer would be uh, brushwood, and the next layer would be clay, and then the top layer would be tile. And to get a hole in this roof, they had to basically dig through this roof piece by piece and layer by layer to make a hole big enough to lower their friend down to see Jesus. Now, can you imagine being in that room? Can you imagine sitting on that front row and all of a sudden pieces of sticks are falling on your head? Can you imagine being in that room and little pieces of clay and dirt's falling from the ceiling and and here comes pieces of tile and, and you look up and all of a sudden here's a man on a mat being lowered right in front of you. Wow, how incredible that must have been. You see, these friends were absolutely determined. They were not going to give up. They were going to do whatever it took to get their friend to see Jesus. And as a result, what we're going to see here is their friend was about to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Look with me at verse number 4 again, if you would, 4 and 5. It says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. I love that. Notice that Jesus did not immediately heal him physically. Notice what Jesus did first. The Bible says he recognized their faith. He recognized the faith of this man. And Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus looked at this man and he recognized the biggest need that he had in his life. And he met him exactly where he was. You see, sure, this man wanted to be able to walk. You know he wanted to be healed physically. You know his friends brought him there so he could be able to walk. They wanted him to be healed physically, but that wasn't the greatest need in his life. You see, to be disabled must be horrible. I can't even imagine what it must be like not to be able to walk, but that was not the greatest need this man had. You see, the greatest need he had in his life was that he was a sinner And he needed Jesus Christ to forgive him of his sin. You see, the greatest need this man had in his life is the greatest need all of us have in our lives. We need to be forgiven of our sin by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You see, the Bible says that Jesus looked at this man and he recognized his faith. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven. Amen? Don't you love that story? You see, church family, right here in front of everybody... This man had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And quite frankly, if this story ended right here, if this is all we had of this story, this would be one of the most famous and amazing accounts in all of Scripture. That a man's friends would bring him to Jesus and he would be forgiven of his sins by the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. But oh, friends, the story does not stop there. The story is just beginning You see, the Bible tells us that some of the teachers of the law were in the room. Some church people were there, if you'll let me say it that way. Some teachers of the law were there, and they were angry. They were upset because Jesus had told this man, your sins are forgiven. Let's look at that together real quickly. Look at verse 6 through 12 with me. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, and they're thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in His Spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And He said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, 
take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up and he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. Wow. You see, the Bible is very clear that Jesus was, knew what they were thinking in their hearts. Don't miss that. You see, Jesus didn't overhear these teachers of the laws grumbling. He didn't hear them complaining that, that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. No. You know, one of the disciples didn't come to Jesus and take him aside and say, look, Lord, um, the teachers of the law are pretty mad that you told him his sins are forgiven. That's not what happened. The Bible says that Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking in their hearts, and he addressed it with them. Wow. And Jesus told them exactly who he was. You know, they're sitting there with the attitude of, who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. Who does this man think he is? And Jesus tells him exactly who he is. Notice he calls himself the Son of Man here. This is a title Jesus used some 14 times in the book of Mark. It's a title he used for himself some 80 times all throughout the Gospels. And what Jesus was telling them, that he is God incarnate. That he is fully God and fully man. You see, friends, hear me. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus is our wonderful Counselor, our Prince of Peace, our everlasting Father. Jesus is our mighty God. You see, Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the Good Shepherd. Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the true vine. And as Jesus said, even before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus Christ is the great I am. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And one day, one day, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, friends, they are thinking, who do you think you are? And Jesus told them exactly who he is. And then I always love the way Jesus handles himself. Don't you? I love how he handles the teachers of the law. And he says, okay, which is easier? Which is easier? To say to somebody, your sins are forgiven? Or to say to them, uh, get, get up, take your mat, and go home? And Jesus silences the crowd. And he says to this man, I say to you, get up. And the Bible says right there on the spot, this paralyzed man, this abled man, this man that had to be carried there on a mat, stood up right in front of them all, totally healed for the glory of God. You see, friends, they didn't have to bring people over and help him to his feet. They didn't have somebody run in and bring him crutches so he could limp out of there. Nobody brought him a cell phone and said, hey, call your physical therapist and they'll help you get your strength back and walk. Oh, no, no, no. Jesus Christ said to him, I'd say to you, get up. And this man that was paralyzed stood up, totally healed, right in front of them all and had an incredible life-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I love this story. And you know, as I read this and as I study this, you know, I like to trade places with them and put myself in that room. And you know, one of the things I notice here, 
The same people that would not move to let him in. The same people that would not make a pathway so they could carry him in. The same people that would not give up their seats. After this man has been healed, they had to get out of the way. They had to move so this man could walk out totally changed right in front of them all. All for the honor and the glory of God. I love this account in Scripture. And you just know, you look up on that roof and these friends had to be jumping for joy and excitement. You know, they had to be so excited they're almost falling off the roof. And friends, we look at this story and and it's a very familiar story in Scripture, but the question we have to ask ourselves is what about us? What about us? I study the Gospels. I study the New Testament. And just like my friend Kevin Price just said, we should be excited about telling our neighbors about Christ. We should be just like these friends in Scripture. We should have a great desire to see people come to Christ, be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, both next door and all around the world for the glory of God. You and I, as the people of First Baptist Church Broken Arrow, you and I as people that have been truly born again, you and I that have people been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ should have an overwhelming desire to witness, to share our faith with those around us. I love what Jesus told us in the Great Commission. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, always, to the very end of the age. Jesus told us to go. You know that word go is an interesting word. You know, you can look it up in any language you want to. You know what it means? It means go. God has called us to go. Not to our neighbor, to Oklahoma, to South America, everywhere with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Acts 1.8, he said, you'll, be my, you'll see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, this is who we must be. This is who God has called us to be. We should want to reach Broken Arrow in Tulsa, Oklahoma, North America, and the world with the truth and the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be just like these friends in Scripture. That's who God has called us to be. I love the way the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10. Listen to this. He says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But don't miss this. How then, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Friends, that must be the very heartbeat of who we are as the people of First Baptist Church Broken Arrow. 
That must be the very heartbeat of who we are in global outreach and missions and go at First Baptist Church in Broken Arrow. We must be the beautiful feet that bring the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, both locally and all the world. And friends, I come to you today in a great excitement to tell you that's exactly what is happening in all our GO partnerships all around the world. Well, listen, when you came in this morning, our great usher should have given you one of these. Did everybody get one of these? What I've given you today is all the places that we are partnering through our GO missions here at First Baptist Broken Arrow. You see where we're partnering in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are all the places that when we sacrifice together, when we sacrificially give to go together, these are all the organizations, all the partnerships, all the church planning that we do all around the world. I gave you a listing of that today. And what I want you to see is this. When you give to go, you are supporting Arms Around Broken Arrow. When you give to go, you are supporting Camino Villa. When you give to go, you are supporting a fantastic ministry we hear called Celebrate Recovery. I cannot tell you what a great ministry that is, but when you give to go, you are helping Celebrate Recovery. You're helping our pregnancy centers and mend and hope. You're helping our ladies at the Inside Out Recovery Ministry, where ladies are getting off drugs and they're being reunited with their families. When you give to go, we're supporting all of these ministries, both locally and all around the world. So friends, I wanted to give you this so you could see where we're engaging in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And I ask you to take this home with you. Pray through it line by line, ministry by ministry, that people would be saved and lives would be changed for the glory of God. And friends, listen, there are so many stories that I could tell you. So many stories of what our great and mighty God is doing both locally all around the world. I mean, if you give me the whole afternoon, I would go partnership by partnership, and I would tell you stories of what only God can do. I'd tell you story after story of the incredible things God has been doing all around the world right in front of our very eyes. But let me just share a few with you. For example, let's start locally at Arms Around Broken Arrow. You know, that is our benevolence ministry. Our pastor, Brian Church, is the director there. And I asked Brian, Brian, tell me, what's happening at Arms Around Broken Arrow? And would you believe already this year, just through half of this year, already over 40 adults have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior at Arms Around Broken Arrow? Isn't that incredible? Praise God. Praise God. People are being saved. Lives are being changed right at Arms Around Broken Arrow. And through your Go Giving, through Go Missions, we're giving $100,000 a year to our own benevolence ministry at Arms Around Broken Arrow. Thank you for giving to Go. I was texting this week with my friend Andy Smith. Andy Smith is a great member of our church. He leads just one of our prison ministry teams. And I said, Andy, tell me what's happening. And he said, last Sunday night at Eddie Warrior Prison in Oklahoma, 18 men trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in just one night. Praise God. Praise God. And friends, there's so many stories I can tell you as we travel all around the world. God is doing amazing things. You know, for example, this spring break. <laughs> Listen, don't tell Brother Nick I said this, but I have the greatest job at First Baptist Broken Arrow. Y'all don't tell Brother Nick, okay? I get to travel the world and tell people about Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That's just a bad job, isn't it? I love it. Love every minute of it. But this spring break, I had the honor of taking our high school students to Phnom Penh, Cambodia. 
Yeah, that was awesome. We got to fly on an airplane 21 hours in the air to go to Phnom Penh, Cambodia with a group of students. Anybody want to go with me next year and help lead that trip? I'm waiting on you, waiting on you. And listen, it was so good. I'm so proud of our students. We trained them in evangelism. They wrote their salvation testimonies. They learned to share the gospel through Bible stories. And, and if you know anything about that partnership, we partnered with Henry and Neri Tran in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And Henry and Neri Tran are great warriors of God. They built the Home of Grace Orphanage in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. And they've been rescuing kids out of the villages in Cambodia. And now 84 children are in the orphanage in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. I mean, God is blessing that ministry. I love Henry and Neri. I love what God is doing there in that ministry. But you know, we love to go village by village, sharing the gospel and planting churches. And so we went with our students village by village, and I stood back and I was just smiling. You know, normally when I go on a trip, I'm preaching all the time. I'm teaching all the time. But this time, our students did such a great job that I just got to step back. And I was listening to them share their salvation testimonies, and they did so well. And I listened to them tell their Bible stories. And by the end of the week, after going village by village by village, listen to this, 70 adults had trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. And to you parents out there, I don't know, y'all are doing a great job. I was so proud to travel with your students. People were saved, lives were changed, and now at the Home of Grace, now in the villages around Cambodia, there are 25 church plants now in the villages all around the Home of Grace for the glory of God. People are being saved and lives are being changed, and we support this ministry through Go. When you sacrificially give to Go, that's how we're supporting Hen and Neri. That's how we're supporting the Home of Grace. That's how we're taking these teams all around the world with the gospel. And oh, friends, listen, I could brag on God all day, but let me just share one more. And this one's a little tough. Um, many of you know that we have a partnership in Venezuela. We, we have a church planning partnership in San Felipe, Venezuela. And for many years, our church has sent teams down to partner with Central Baptist Church in San Felipe, Venezuela. And our teams have done an amazing job. I mean, people have been saved. New believers have been discipled. Church planters have been trained. I mean, so many churches have been planted in Venezuela. I mean, God has done incredible things. However, have you been watching the news lately about Venezuela? Have you seen the stories about Venezuela? Venezuela is an absolute disaster right now. You see news stories of riots in the streets you see news stories of people struggling to have enough food to eat. You see the news stories of people waiting in line all day trying to get a plate of food. You see the news stories of people waiting in line all day to try to get medicine for their family members that are sick. And we heard stories about someone who was standing in line all day and what they got was one tablet of Tylenol at the end of the day. Venezuela is an absolute mess right now. The people are under great oppression there. They're struggling to find jobs. They're struggling to find food. They're struggling to find medicine. But because of your faithfulness to give to go, our church was able to send money down to San Felipe, to Central Baptist Church. And I want you to know what they're doing. Through that giving, they are actually preparing meals at Central Baptist Church, and they're feeding the church, feeding the community right out of that Baptist Church in Venezuela. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. Thank you for your faithfulness. But church family, you know us. Our heart is just breaking 
that we can't get down there and help them. Our heart is just breaking that as Americans, we've kind of been pushed out of Venezuela. We, we have a hard time getting visas, entrance visas, to get back into the country so we can help. So we prayed about it, and we agonized over it, and we prayed about it, and prayed about it, and we believe God is calling us to move right to the border of Venezuela and Colombia. If they're not going to let us into Venezuela, we're going to go right to the border where the refugees are coming out of Venezuela and pouring into Colombia. So in February, Larry Wells and I, a member of our church, went down to a town called Cucuta, Colombia. And then last week, Ruth Ann Wells and my friends George Aguilar from San Salvador and Larry and I were all there together. And if we, I think we have a map of Cucuta. Do we have that? That red circle there is right on the border of Venezuela. And because of the trouble in Venezuela, uh, so many people are walking out of Venezuela, going into Colombia. And I have a video of this. And forgive me, I stood at the border with my iPhone, and I'm trying to hide my iPhone, and I'm trying to take video. But let's show this video. This is the border. The far side of the people leaving Colombia, walking into Venezuela. On the right side are people going back into Venezuela. What they told us was through this one border crossing in Cucuta, 40,000 people a day are crossing that border from Venezuela into Colombia. Think about that, 40,000 people a day. Now, some of them are coming into Colombia and buying food, and they're walking back across the bridge into Venezuela to feed their families. Some of them are coming into Colombia to buy medicine to try to take back into Venezuela to their families. Some of them, we heard, were walking three and four hours to come into Colombia to a Western Union office where some family members and friends were wiring them money so they could buy food and take it back into Venezuela. I mean, this is like a revolving door. But friends, I want you to notice something. A lot of those people were dragging suitcases. A lot of those people are leaving Venezuela for good. They're not coming back. They're leaving Venezuela in hope of a new, new home and jobs and a new future for their families. And they're estimating by this time next year, 8 million people will have left Venezuela and entered Colombia. 8 million people. Now, I can't have a hard time wrapping my brain around that. 8 million people. So last week we were down there with the team and we were at the border and then we decided to go up on a mountain road and just talk to these people to find out what was going on ourselves. And so we had little Ziploc bags and we put peanuts in there and M&Ms and a gospel track in Spanish and we were handing it out to the people and talking to them through our interpreters. And I tell you what, these people were not taking these bags and putting them in their backpacks. They were not saving them for later. They were ripping them over immediately, opening and eating them right in front of us. And we started talking to people. And I was surprised. These are highly educated people. The first man we talked to told us, listen, he said, I have a college degree in business management. I had a great job in Venezuela, but I lost my job and I couldn't find work. So he's going from town to town in Colombia, just hoping somebody will give him any kind of job. The next lady we stopped, she said, I had a college degree in graphic design, and I can't find a job in Venezuela. So she, too, was going town by town by town, hoping someone would give her just any kind of job. You know, church family, it's hard for me to understand this. I'm standing there listening to this. And then they told us a story about a medical doctor in Venezuela that had to close his practice because no one could pay him. And now he's coming to Colombia and he's delivering pizzas in Colombia just to have a job. Wow, think about that. 
It's just mind-blowing. But you say, Kevin, tell me, what are we going to do to help? And I say, thank you for asking. You know, when we were down there, the IMB introduced us to a church. Actually, it's First Baptist Church, Kukata. First Baptist Church, Kukata has about 100 people. You can imagine if you've seen these cinder block church buildings with no air conditioning, and they've got these fans on the walls that have the pull strings. You know what I'm talking about? I was preaching there last Sunday morning, and I was just dripping in sweat, preaching there in that little oven. Now I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Kevin Cotter, 350 degrees for 20 minutes, he's done, right? That's what was happening. And there were about 100 people in this little church, and beautiful people. But can you imagine being a church of 100 people, and all of a sudden all these refugees are dropped in your lap? What would you do? What would you do? So we went down and we, we prayed with them and we met the pastor and we shared with them our vision of evangelism and discipleship and church planting. We shared our heart of what we're doing all around the world in our partnerships. And then I was so excited because the pastor, Luis, there came out with a booklet and it was called his 2020 plan. And we found out that God had already given him a vision. God had already given him a plan to plant churches among the refugees from Venezuela. God was already ahead of us. Surprise, surprise. God was already doing great things. This little church is already feeding the refugees every week. This little church is already has a plan to plant churches among these refugees, and they're asking us to come and help them. And church family, with the leadership of the Lord, we're going to answer that call. We're going to be taking teams of people to Cucuta, Colombia. We're even going to be taking our high school students there spring break. And we're going to go down there and we're going to help feed people. We're going to do evangelism. We're going to help them disciple new believers. We're going to help them plant new churches all over the place where the refugees are for the glory of God. Friends, First Baptist Broken Arrow, once again, because of your faithfulness, is going to answer the call. But listen to me. I know you're sitting there saying, Kevin, how can, how can we help? What do we need to do? And listen, as your missions pastor, I come to you right now with a very grateful heart. I come to you with a very thankful heart saying thank you for giving to go already. Because of your faithfulness, because of your sacrificial giving, we're already able to help the people in Kukata. Because you've already been giving to go, we already have the funds we need to begin that partnership, begin helping them to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. But friends, you know the story. We need more help. We need more help. And remember, Pastor told you last week we're behind in giving in our general fund, and we're behind in giving and go. And there are three ways to give at First Baptist Broken Arrow. Let me be very clear. First and foremost, we give our tithe out of obedience to the Lord to the general fund. But above and beyond our tithe, that's where we give to building. That's where we give to missions but that's how we give to go. And our global outreach budget, listen, we've made major promises both locally and all over the world, and we need to keep those promises. I think right now, if you look at your bulletin, I think your bulletin on the back will show you that we're about $40,000 behind in our missions giving. And we need to catch that up so we can do everything God has called us to do. Listen, church family, we serve a great and a mighty God. We serve a God that is working and doing incredible things locally and all around the world right in front of our eyes. And I want to give Him all the honor and all the glory because we have a great desire to see people in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the ends of the earth have life-changing encounters 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we need you to help us. I know you will. But friends, let me ask you today. Have you had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? Have you truly been born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Hear the gospel this morning. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and failed God. I have sinned and you have sinned. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of that sin is death. Spiritual death. All we deserve because of our sin when we die is to spend an eternity separated from our great and loving God in a place of punishment that the Bible calls hell. All we deserve because of our sin is to be punished for all eternity. But let me, I have good news for you today. The gospel means good news. The Bible says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Because God loved us so much, he sent his son Jesus from heaven to earth. And Jesus Christ lived on this earth about 33 years. Even though he was taken to the desert by the devil, tried and tempted in every way, Jesus Christ never, ever sinned. He was pure and perfect in every way. But because he loved you so much, because he loved me so much, he took all of our sins upon himself and he died on the cross for our sins. Jesus Christ took our punishment for us. And they died and they buried him in a tomb. But church family, hear me. Jesus did not stay dead. Three days later, just as he said he would, he rose from the dead. He came back to life, conquering sin and conquering death so that all of us that believe in him all of us that trust in Him as Lord and Savior can be forgiven of our sins and saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says, listen, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth you confess and are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, that is the truth. That is the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one gets to the Father but through me. There is one way and one way only to be forgiven of your sins. One way and one way only to be saved. And that's by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. But friends, have you had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? Do you really know Him as your Savior? Well, friends, hear me. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. In just a moment, our pastor's going to be down front. And if the Lord's dealing with your heart today, listen, we would love to pray with you. We would love to share more with you. Whatever God is calling you to do, maybe God is calling you to make this your church home. Maybe you want to join First Baptist Broken Era and make it your church family. Please come and tell us that. Maybe you know Christ as your Savior and you've never been baptized. And you need to follow through in obedience and believer's baptism. Listen, friends, whatever God is calling you to do, in just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. That's your time to respond. We would love to celebrate with you. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray together. Friends, I don't know where this message finds you today. Maybe you're here and you would say, Brother Kevin, listen, I know. I know I need to be like these friends in Scripture. 
You say, Kevin, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I know the Lord is calling me to go tell my friends about Him, but I've just been afraid, or I just haven't done it. Friends, I beg you, if that's where you are, pray and ask the Lord to give you courage, and He will. We just need to be faithful to go share the truth of the gospel. Go share with them that they can be saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Friends, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Friends, I don't know where you are today, but whatever God is calling you to do, I pray you'd have the courage to step out in obedience. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this church called First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow. God, I thank you most of all that you provided a way for us to be forgiven. You provided a way for us to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you for what you're doing in our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria. Thank you for what you're doing all around the world for your glory. God, I pray you would help us to be even more faithful, to give, to pray, and to go. And we're going to give you all the honor and all the glory because you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. God, please take control of this time. For it's in the perfect name of Jesus Christ we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.